Hey everyone, and welcome to Season 6 of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. My name is Hunter Thrasher, and I'm going to be your guest host for this season while we chat with millennial pastors within the Church of the Nazarene who are on a mission to change the way the church interacts with the community that they are a part of. We're going to listen to their stories, how they've grown in their ministry throughout the years, what is exciting them, um, what are some of the unique joys and challenges that they are experiencing in their ministry today, and how they're reshaping the way that they were taught to pastor to fit the new age that we find ourselves in in America today. For episode four of season six of the Millennial Pastor Podcast, my co-host Hayden and I, who you met last week, had a conversation with Pastor Jacoby Campbell of Bell Road Church of the Nazarene in Nashville, Tennessee. Pastor Jacoby was on this podcast with Josiah and Byron just a couple of years ago, and if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I would really encourage you to pause right here and go give it a listen. You can find a link to it in the description. Pastor Jacoby is doing vital work in the city of Nashville, and I think that his work can help other pastors understand how their churches can better serve their local community. I took so much away from this conversation together, and I know that you're going to as well. Um, Listen and maybe have a notepad beside you because I was taking notes as I was learning so much from our talk. I hope you enjoy our conversation together. Well, welcome everyone to episode four of season six of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. Um, I am here with two people that are no strangers to the podcast. Uh, Hayden, who was introduced as a co-host for season six in the last episode. Go ahead, Hayden, and say hi for us. Hey, everybody. I'm uh, really excited to uh, continue on and, and talking uh, talking today with, uh, with, with Pastor and continue on this podcast for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'm here with our guest for this episode, Pastor Jacoby Campbell. He is the lead pastor at Bell Road Church of the Nazarene in Nashville, Tennessee, and he's also the author of the 30-day devotional, and I'll leave you with this, which released last December. Um, he was on the Millennial Pastor podcast a couple of years ago, I think about in the middle of 2019. So some of you may have listened to, listened to that episode if you've been friends of the podcast for, for a little bit. But Pastor Jacoby, I want to welcome you and thank you so much for being on uh, this season of the podcast. Um, so I'd love for you to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about that book. Yeah, well, it's it's an honor to be back, and thank you for your gracious words. Uh, yeah, the book, and I leave with this, is a a book that I wrote um, I mean, a couple of years ago uh, during um, a season of meditation through some um, real difficult times in, in my personal life, in 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 having to utterly depend on God in spaces. Um, each meditation in this book and each challenge came out of uh, a conversation that I had with God, and I encourage. Uh, you, if you're able to get the book or you already have it, to take your time with it. Most of some people uh, use it as a book of consecration or, or, or Bible study for their youth groups. And instead of doing it day to day, they've been doing it week to week, just trying to uh, unpack some things. And the key thing is to stir up some of the spiritual disciplines because um, it, it gives you to whatever you're comfortable with talking to somebody with, talk to them about what revelation you got. Praying, pray about what God said to you through that and meditate on, you know, write down what you meditate on, like do the spiritual practices because I think through that, uh, we can begin to hear God speak and, and, and it would even be greater than what I wrote because what God speaks to you for out of your heart uh, will be specifically uh, for you. 
I love that. Um, so one thing that in, in my own personal journey uh, that I've been experiencing um, is just the, the value of meditation, but also something that we've been talking about over the last two episodes or the last few episodes on this season is the importance of, of reading the Bible in community and, and talking about, and talking about scripture with other people. And that is one of the key things that, that you, that you kind of hit on in, in that devotional is that how important it is to, to converse and, and, and read the Bible together as, as the church. But I love that. Um, tell us a little where, bit about, where can we, oh yeah, go sorry, ahead. where can we find that? Um, it, it's, uh, it's on Amazon, right? Is it, is it anywhere else that people are looking for it? So it is on Amazon. Um, I have it in a couple of local bookstores here. It was, uh, you know, in Barnes and Noble, but not anymore. We had a couple of disputes. So right now it's strictly on Amazon. All right. Sweet. Yeah. Awesome. So everybody go check out, uh, Pastor Jacoby's book, but let's jump into it. Um, uh, let just introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us about, uh, your role at, at Bell Road Church of the Nazarene. And, um, and we, we're anybody that's listened to the episode previously that you're on may, may know you uh, pretty well. They, they may know you as the, uh, the pastor who threw Jesus in the garbage. <laughs> and, uh, I loved that story. <laughs> I had, I had forgotten before you started, Jacob, I had, I had forgotten, um, that that this was you when your name came up that for through Hunter and Hunter was like go listen to this podcast and I started listening to it and that came up and I immediately remembered that was so that was so memorable <laughs> so um, that 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 uh, podcast episode had a really big impact on me as I was as I was going through it there was a lot of great insights there but go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself yeah well yes uh, white Jesus had to go uh, and um, since then it's become a prank at the church. That every so often a picture of why you just find itself uh, in my <laughs> office or on my car, and uh, it's like the ghost of why Jesus is haunting me. Uh, I know what you did. You know Resurrected, I mean? um, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but at Bell Road, I'm the uh, the senior pastor. We got a staff of four pastors at our church. Uh, and it's a multi, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. It's a training church. We, um, right now, man, we, we've been blessed with uh, getting uh, a lot of young, young leaders, uh, whether it's uh, college pastors or, um, you know, going to be trained to be pastors or worship, future worship leaders or, or things of that nature. God has given us the opportunity to pour into them. And then they're there for four years or however long they got left. And then they leave us and we cry. Um, but, um, you know, I think that's a great thing. Uh, we're heavy in the community. Um, the church is, is one of those churches that is not for everybody. Uh, but I think that if we're honest, that's every church, not for everybody. Um, you know, simply because we're not afraid to push into topics, uh, as it pertains to biblical narrative. Now we're not going to be one of those people who like another Nashville pastor says, you can't be Democrat and go to our church. That's not us. We don't do politics. Uh, we do kingdom work. And, uh, and so, but, Love it. but man, it's just the wonderful things. And we have the best potlucks because we're so diverse. Uh, you know, you may be, when you first become a member, you can only bring cups and paper plates, <laughs> but after we privately taste your food, then you're, <laughs> you're able to bring actual meals. Love it. What a rule. <laughs> yeah. There's a trial, a trial basis. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you, um, how did you become a part of the Church of the Nazarene? You talked a little bit in your last episode, so we won't spend a, a, a ton of time on it, but how were you introduced to the Church of the Nazarene? How did you become a part of it? 
born in it, man. I mean, literally, uh, you know, I was almost born in a church, but uh, thank God for hospitals. Uh, and um, <laughs> my mom uh, was the first generation. My family to be Nazarene. I'm second generation uh, Nazarene and, and stuck with it. That's the same story that we have. We're, we're second, second generation as well, um, born in, in it uh, almost literally too. <laughs> um, we've been going to a Nazarene church our, our entire lives. Um, tell us a little bit about not only uh, the Church of the Nazarene, but what, is, um, what, is, what, what makes Bell Road unique? I think one of the, the, the biggest parts of Bell Road that makes it unique in my book is there's two, there's three main conversations that we have. Uh, one is that we're, we, we, we talk about not being an outside the box church uh, because we feel like we, we didn't come into church life with all the pieces in it. And so we're a church searching for the pieces so that we can utilize them, right? And so that's a strange conversation because we believe those pieces uh, lie in the people that God brings us. And which leads to the second conversation that we have, which is how can we build a platform for your specific um, gift? Uh, we, we, we tell our new members that pew sitter is not a calling, but not all that are called are extroverts. And so not all callings have you on the main front line. Rather, we just want to make sure that whatever your call or identity to serve in the spirit is, that we come behind you and beside you and build the opportunity that may not exist here or any other church to give you the comfort, assistance, and affirmation that's due the gift that God put inside of you. We don't want to shame whatever gift that is. We'll find a place for it. Mm -hmm. And the third conversation is that um, we're a non-compete church. And so there is no sense of... Um, I'm better than, I'm richer than, I'm more gifted than. Because um, in our world today, we feel like there's, there's always, we're always trying to compete for a reason to exist. And, you know, I got to be better than this person. I keep up this person. I got to have a nice thing with that person. And so we, we, we reaffirm that week to week. That Remember, this is a place of non-compete. You can mm -hmm. genuinely care, love, and share here. And we, we make that a mandate. And if it ever gets out that, that hasn't been um, part of a uh, conversation or it, if someone has hurt someone through that, we address it like one-on-one, -on -one, but we address that thing and say, remember, we believe that if you bear witness, you bear responsibility. So you knew what you were when we got, when you got here and you knew who this person was when they joined or started coming here, you witness to their testimony. Now you have responsibility to caring for that person. So hmm. we're not going to do that. You know what I mean? We're not going to be that here. And that has been, I think, for a lot of people, very uh, stress relieving and, 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 and relieves some anxiety. But that also comes with the knowledge of knowing that we have thieves in the church. So guess what, man? Watch your stuff because it may get stolen. Uh, we got gossipers in the church. So be careful. Somebody may get, you know, these things exist here. But mm -hmm. we know that. And we're not, we're not trying to hide that fact because the church is for everyone. And so I think those three things, I think for me, makes Bill Road unique. Oh man. So I have, I have a couple questions to build on that. Uh, that, that is some good stuff. Uh, number one, uh, back to the conversation too, about empowering everybody to go to, to lean into their spiritual gifts. What's one way that y'all are helping people even identify what those gifts are? Gotcha. So we, we try that through discipleship. So 
you know, if I'm discipling Sister Susan and we're having conversation on the regular, we're meeting up um, and we're having those things, then usually those things bubble up. Um, mm. If they don't, you know, of course, we don't do the whole spiritual gift finder things much because I, I feel like that's kind of <laughs> you made a personality in test? some regard. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Enneagram and all that jazz. You know, yeah. Flavor of fun. Um, but, uh, but you know, we we just um, we just trying to see. We we put people in places. One of the things that you have to do at Bill Road, you become a member, is you have to agree to serve in some outreach, and what that looks like for you. It could be in any capacity, but that is a necessity because we're an 80-20 church. 80% go to outreach and 20% go to inreach. And in that journey of visiting our uh, Monday food sharing day or our partner luncheon or a trash pickup or whatever our outreach is, you know, people tend to have such an experience that they begin to kind of say, you know what, I'm really good at acting. Well, great. We had this actually happen. And I'm like, great. Well, we're going to find a way to do that. So we, we mm-hmm. met with our vision team and we're like, listen, so Susan's great at acting. So now we have our, our um, uh, spiritual arts group that now mm-hmm. put on plays like Skit Bro things wow. and things of that nature. And then we build a service just around singing, yeah. testimony, and it ends with their play. So now we're like, here you go. And, and they're like, we didn't know this was a part of it. It is. We got a lady who bakes. You can go on our Facebook page or our YouTube. We've done bake-offs. <laughs> whatever you know what I mean it, whatever yeah. it is we want to we want to make sure that we do we got people in the church that, that just serve for 50 years they've been serving and so we acknowledge them not in a passive aggressive way for them not to, to serve anymore which some churches do but mm. to say service is a spiritual gift mm. and we see it and we notice it and you have established that as your platform and now we want to welcome everyone else who is in that same vein, that this is something that we acknowledge here too. And wow. so that has been really cool. That's really awesome because you see a lot, um, it, it, at least in, I, and I, I can only speak for, for my church really, but um, I feel like a lot of churches these days, you've got, uh, you can, you've got the worship team, you've got the greeters. Uh, some people still have ushers you can help with, or you can help with the kids. Uh, and if those aren't things that you're comfortable with, well, we may have a couple of things a few times a year you can help out with, but other than that, but you guys are actually saying, Hey, you're good at this thing. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's find, that's really incredible. Yeah. And, and one thing that, that stands out to me about that is, and, and this plays into the third conversation you were talking about, about competition is the, uh, is the, the fact that you require something for membership, um, how many, how many churches today, and this is a, a byproduct of just the last 20 to 50 years, but they, they put an emphasis on church membership that requires no commitment. And so it, it's just membership becomes this watered down something like, like, okay, you just stand before the church and now you're a part of us. But when you require an aspect of service, man, that is, that is so, uh, that is so refreshing because you're saying, listen, if you're going to be a part of us, you've got to be a part of our mission too. Uh, you've got to be a part of who we are and how that plays into competition is, is that, that it, it eliminates um, the reason that why we've, we've kind of been lax on church membership is so that our membership numbers can go up. Right. But when you say, and, and we can compete basically with other churches in the area or even, even other Nazarene churches. But when you say, listen, we're going to require our church membership to be a sacrifice um, that alleviates that pressure. 
and and requires something. I, I love that, Jacoby. That's that's great. Um, the uh, so I, one thing that I really wanted to hit on, and we talked about it a little bit last week, is the special outreach work. And you just talked about this that you are doing in your community. You said you're an eighty twenty church. Um, and I don't know that I've heard that language before. Maybe I'm just kind of, maybe I just, I just haven't been looking in the right places, but man, that is cool to think that because how many churches are 80, 20, but it's the other way around. It's 80, 80%, 80% inward, 20% outward. Um, so talk a little bit more about that and about how that kind of shapes and forms, uh, y'all's identity there. Yeah, well, that, that, that got kind of established when I first got here because they had uh, really good in-reaches. And they called the church a uh, country club when I first got assigned. Uh, they called it that? Really? Oh, the people in the church did and everyone else did. Uh, oh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha, and, uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, ah, you know. Uh, but, um, you know, but I saw the heart of the people wanted to reach the community. You know, Bell Road is, as this is the, fourth building they've had in 74 years and in the same place been burned down burned down burned down and um oh. so you know and, and the last time being rebuilt they said bell road stays on bell road because they had 1.2 million dollars to rebuild and everyone was telling them to move the church and i was like no no bell road stays on bell road um revival built this church revival will keep this church is what the mm. the country club said that sounds more of a faithful group of people to me mm -hmm. and so when i be, when i came to pastor i remember sitting at the board and going like well uh we can't do that with just in reaches uh so you know i challenged the church said let's do 10 events in three months and they were down and these are older people the average age of the church at that point was maybe 60 so these are older people that helped put on, and I had to pull people from my other, I used to run a couple of businesses. So I had to pull my old employees, you know, to help us. And my wife pulled some of her old students to help us get these events off the ground, but they were down for those events. I mean, we went back to back to back to back to back. And the the church, the, the church board came to me and said, we're exhausted. You know, we can't do more than this. And I said, what do you think about taking 80% of our tithes and offering and making sure that we keep the community first? because they agreed that they forgotten that aspect because of age and because of circumstance. But if we made it a part of our identity, then it can't be forgotten. And so we decided, yeah, so we don't have the best coffee. We don't have the best toilet paper. We don't have the best of a towel. Uh, we don't have the best of anything. We got a donated printer from Nova print because Nova copy, that only prints black and white, not internet. And it, because if they give it to nonprofits, because we established this, People want to be loved. They want to be taken off of dependency and pushed into independency in their financial. And they want to be self-aware. They want to have uh, an identity outside of their needs. And we can't help accomplish that if we're spending all of our money making things pretty. Mm. And that is a stretch. Mm. I was, well, I was about to say, in, yeah, go ahead, Hayden. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Well, uh, what do you see? And this may be off topic, so I don't know if you want to circle back. We can, but um, what do you see your your role at, as you're the head pastor there, right? Of of, of this church, of this I, I would call it a, a movement, really. Um, mm -hmm. 
it, when someone hears the word senior, the, the phrase senior pastor, they think of the guy who stands up in the pulpit on Sunday mornings and gives the what is now 40, a 45 minute sermon. Uh, you're, you're doing so much more. So, so what do you define yourself? Like, what do you define your role as the senior pastor of, of, of Bell Road? I think that uh, my, my role there is the um, collective um, vision driver. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I think what we've become is bigger than just my vision, but it's people here who's also uh, been given the opportunity to dream. And so I find that more people come to me with their like dreams of what we could do. And the same role I play in my household in a sense is the same role I play here where I go, okay, how do we make this happen? You know, don't come to me with a dream if you're not willing to hear how we can make it happen because, you know, there's no such thing as unrealistic. It's only things we've not seen done before. And that's okay. You know, you one of the things uh, we do vision casting Sunday, first Sunday, the, the new church year. And I always have this part where I go, are you guys ready to talk about doing something incredibly hard, dang near impossible, extremely difficult, frustrating, but very godly? Uh, and, um, and uh, you know, the first time, you know, I said that we were like, we're going to plant, you know, 76 trees on our property and trees are 20, 50 bucks a pop. And mm -hmm. the board went to me and said, dude, how are we going to do that? And I go, I don't know, but we're going to do it. And, you know, we can't afford it. We're not a rich church. And then we run into, you know, Jason Atkins, who's like, dude, I work for a place that I work with a place that can get you the trees for free. Now I said this in March and this is in February of the next year, heading into mm -hmm. the new church year that he brought over 70 something trees. Wow. And I go, you see, it's not about knowing how to do things. It is praying and taking every step we know how to achieve the thing. Mm. And now I think because of those moments, the church is like, whatever God gives vision for, okay. We, mm. We're just gonna believe you know, that it's going to happen. You know what I mean? And, that, and that's also me going like, hey, it wasn't for this year, guys, but we're going to keep doing it. There's things that God has given us that it took two years to achieve. Yeah. And you know what I mean? So it's, 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 so I say, I think, I think collectively, I think I'm a collective vision caster because mm -hmm. there are some people in here that dream bigger than me. I've heard it uh, in, in uh, like big businesses, they call it the chief visionary officer, the CVO. <laughs> what Man. do you, um, that, that's really that's really awesome you're, you're you're taking a step and you're saying listen if 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 god wants this vision to pan out we, we believe this vision came from god he's going to make it happen uh whether we think we're going to have the money for 76 20 trees over the next year or not if, if, if this was god ordained god's going to make it happen and there's so many times i feel like that uh uh, the the church it shies away from things because it seems a little too hard when i mean what the faith of a mustard seed right you can plant 76 20 trees <laughs> yeah we can't protect god and that's the thing about the church it's this is too big for god and we have people who aren't who are afraid to say hey i got it wrong mm. and and i told the church i'm not afraid to tell you if i got it wrong because i'm human therefore i may be overly ambitious and god could be like ah, that's not my vision and i'm okay and there's been times mm. where i was like hey guys i and things were leading to what we were trying to accomplish. And I got in front of everybody. I was like, dude, I understand this is the pathway, but I'm starting to feel this is a more of a me thing than a God thing. And I think we need to, to move in this other direction. And, you know, we're, we're full steam ahead on one thing and doors are opening. And I come in for the people and make that statement. 
And it's, I'm not met with, no, 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 you're wrong. Everything's going right this way. But a group of people that go, okay, well, if, if we're not going to do this anymore, we'll, we'll move. And that was the harder route. It was a mm. way harder route. And God blessed it. And, mm. and I said, you know, thank you for being a group of people that allow me to be wrong because mm. I need that because that's pressure off to, so we can have real honest conversations. You know what I mean? About what God is doing. Yeah. And, and what a relief from the, like the, what, what a relief from the self, like, like the self, almost the self-centered pastor that we've, that we were all kind of grew up to be, to, to be like taught as to be like, I am the leader. I'm the, you know, the shepherd metaphor. I'm the shepherd of this flock. Like I'm, I'm, you're, you're following my lead. What a relief from that kind of structure that, that we've seen. So I want to, I want to circle back to the, the 80, 20, just for a second, because I had something that uh, I wanted to ask. So how did it go when you first asked them, mm. ask your congregation to put 80% of their finances towards outreach? Well, it didn't go good with the board at all, actually. Uh, because, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that meant like, you know, we had to cut out our $500 a quarter Sunday school material budget. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got to challenge the teachers to, um, you know, open the Bible and get a lesson. You know what I mean? Let's go old school. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I didn't work with people's sensibilities with how the church is supposed to function. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, what would you say if I told you that the church is not functioning how it should? Would you Ooh. trust me to see the other way? Because we've gone this way before and let's, we know what the result is. Let's try it this way and see what happens. I said, you got to understand what, uh, if you look at the, the, the Bible, what Mary said when she said, may it be unto me, as you've said, it is an explosion to what it meant to be a Jew. What um, hmm. Moses said when he's like, look, in, in Deuteronomy chapter four, and he was like, we're not building icons or images at all of this God. You just got to go by what? you heard your witness people was an explosion to the culture no image no god that was the thought process mm-hmm. uh so mm-hmm. when we're when we're having these conversations we got to understand that some of the things we're going to say is going to be like those moments because mm-hmm. god is not done with those moments and we just have to be willing to let the bomb go off and stand and rebuild with the aftermath and, mm. and, I, and I said, I just want to be a church of altar builders where, you know, the, the tabernacle we once had is destroyed. We get a chance to go back and rebuild it. And we don't rebuild anything else but the, alt- but the altar. And we just praise God for that one victory. One. Mm. Remember, they, they, they built the altar and they had a party. Not one house was built. Not, not one business started. You know, we don't even know how they operated, where they slept. But they built the altar and, and just celebrated. I said, will you celebrate? The first time that God shows us that what we're doing is right. And when we started to invest in that, we started getting community partners. For the first four years, the church did not spend a penny on our events. We had partners in the community that fully funded every event. Mm-hmm. So our first three years of 80-20 was really us storing up uh, that money because we didn't have to spend it on anything because we got community partners that are like hey if you have the land we have the money so here's wow you know two thousand dollars here's five thousand dollars here's you know end of the year tax write-off here's 
$6,000. Here's wow. this. And we're like, what are we going to do with this? We can't 80, 20, what we, we, we can't spend it. So then we started to invest in people and invest in, in, in food. And, and it was just like, God is like, bless. So I said, can we just take a moment and say that we're only, our giving in tithes and offerings only $40,500 this year. Mm. And we pulled off six events that were $5,000 a piece in cost. Wow. Can wow. we just take a moment and, and just thank God for what he's done in our lives. And now yeah. we are able to do uh, more with the little that we have if we're faithful. And man, it was, it's, it's just been a, it's been great. Not all sunshine and rainbows, yeah. but in those moments, we decided that we we're going to build those altars and we're going to worship God at those things and never forget it, even in the hard times. Mm, I love that. I love that. So tell us a little bit about these, these events. Like, what do they usually look like? What are they like? What, like, give us some examples of what those might be. So the church typically would have like egg hunting things that would be at the other church. We have six acres. I thought that was silly. So we decided like, okay, let's, let's do that, but let's be a little bit different on this yep. thing. Let's not do it the typical, uh, the typical way. So we dream big and we're like, you know what? We're going to do 5,000 eggs, even though our last event only had 200 people show up and we're going to anticipate that. And we're not going to mm. do registration. We're not going to wear bell row t-shirts. We're not going to wear name tags. We're going to blend in. The only people who are going to wear name tags are the people at, at the desk that gave the dots to the different age groups or the people cooking the food. Those are the only people that have to be identified. Yeah. Everyone else blend the heck in. Be yeah. normal. Okay. Because we're be not normal. Gonna, we don't, yeah. We don't <laughs> what have a, motives here. Yeah. You know what, I mean? what a task <laughs> to ask church people. <laughs> yeah. Don't mention the church at all in your conversation with people. Just be human. Participate. Yeah. And man, let me tell you, our, the people of this church have built relationships, deep, loving relationships with people. And they're like, man, I wonder if this church is worth going to. And they're like, man, you know, it's a church. You know, it's, it's nice. What church do you go to? They go, ah, I go here. You know what I mean? And it's one of those things where it's like, I just didn't want you to think I have a motivation. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, we'll do, we do movie nights where we invite food trucks in, but we also have a free food element. During COVID, we did movie nights with food trucks. And, um, and uh, we had this big screen rent is 250 bucks to a thousand dollars. None of it out of our pocket. Ain't got freaking all right. Mm, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> we, and, and like say for, for COVID, we wanted people to get tested uh, for, for COVID and the numbers in my area, we're the least tested area and we're the biggest mm. township. Wow. And so I'm sitting there going like to the church board and to our uh, leadership team, our leadership team, our, our vision folks. And I go, how do we get people to get tested in our community? Because they're not going to the testing site. And I go, does anybody ever watch magic tricks? Do you ever thought about pulling a hat trick on somebody? And it's like, what is that? You know, folk, it's all, it's all, it's all misdirection, right? It's like, yeah, it's like you have one thing, but you really want the other thing to be the focal point. And I was like, yeah, I said, let's have a movie night. And they go, what's, what's so, what's so big about that? I said, because we're going to have COVID testing during the movie night. <laughs> and and we're gonna do it all in one space and was our our we can see six acres so we can have our secondary parking lot covid testing drive in or walk up and then at four o'clock while they're wrapping up we'll start the food trucks will be there at three the movie starts at six but we're gonna have the covid testing in the area we hmm. beat every other 
COVID testing sites by miles <laughs> because of that. Yeah. And it wasn't that. And the funny thing is, is that we still had members of the church who had no idea that that was the focal point. I said that we did our job. We did our job because we got people here for one thing, but while they're here, you might as well get tested. And yep. then the people who were doing the testing were handing out masks and sanitizer and everything. And it became a really healthy event. And it didn't cost the church a dime and it benefited the community largely. And so we would do events wow. like that. We would, we would do, um, we would do uh, barbecues. That's it. That, nothing else. We would just go to your apartment complex. We'll talk to the apartment complex. People say, hey, we're sick of people coming to us. Can we come to you? What mm. would it take for us to set up here and just cook whatever we cook for free? Uh, we got members of our church that because of the funding of our partnerships, which is mainly Sunshine and Broccoli, they would give us money and we would go to different schools or locations, set up on a bocce grill, and we will cook breakfast for staff. We'll go to apartment complexes and and pick up trash and then cook for them. Or we'd set up, um, you know, uh, bouncy houses and games for and just do or we'll set up face painting in communities that are underserved. We would do and we whatever is necessary, whatever is possible, whatever is needed. We're saying, how can we do it? We host events like first time homebuyer programs. We funded um, you know, a couple of self-defense classes uh, for the daycare people, the daycare ladies and people, ladies mm -hmm. around, even some of the men went because, you know what, we were in a high crime area. So one of the things you know is self-defense. It's like, well, we don't do that at churches. We do now because we need it. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you do right. one. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so we would just, we would just like, we'll do townhouse meetings. What, what do you need? We, we have people from, um, Home Depot do DIY trainings in our in our in our uh, fellowship hall. It's because people can't afford to get someone else to do it, and some of the things are very simple. It's just that because it seems daunting, we don't try it. So here we have this person going, "You want to learn how to fix your backsplash for under a hundred dollars? Here's how you do it. Boom, wow. boom, pow." And, and, and now we got people who are, who are now saving money. We got kids who are home all day that are now doing backsplashes, who are now, you know, making things, who are now learning how to do fidget kits or whatever it is that Home Depot gives or they can show you how to do. Now we got 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds who know how to do more than their parents do. So while their parents work in three jobs and not home, they're occupied and now have a, a, a semblance of a vocation. So it's like, what, what can we do? You know what I mean? Mm. This is so good, Pastor Jacoby. And I, I'll tell you why I love it, because it's it's de-emphasizing. Oh, it is de-emphasizing the, um, the, the mission of the church is to save their souls and re-emphasizing th that being the sole mission. We all know that that's part of the mission, yeah. of course, but that being the sole mission and saying, hey, part of the mission of the church is to help them where they are right now, to make their lives, their, their lives today better. Um, I've gone to it in every single podcast this season, and I've just, I've just admitted uh, openly that I'm going to in every episode going forward this season, but that's part of bringing the kingdom of God where we are. Um, instead of focusing on heaven after death, this is what is, what does heaven look like today? What does heaven look like um, um, among our community? I, it might look like uh, uh, repairing a backsplash for under a hundred dollars. Um, so you mentioned something, you mentioned something that I, that I wanted to ask you more about 
Um, and I don't know how, how podcasty this is. This may just be a personal, like a personal question, but what, you said town halls to see what people need. Um, tell me a little bit, bit about that. What, what, what do those town halls look like? Um, like who, how do you set those up? How do you communicate them? Um, and how, how, just how do you know, like, how do you know what people in your community need? So we, we worked, God has blessed us to have a really good relationships with, with relationship with our uh, councilwoman in our community hmm. for our district. And so, you know, we would meet with her. Uh, we would meet with other community leaders and just random people we see on the street. You got to understand, I, I'm a weird guy. And, and so I will spend 30 minutes at Walmart unhooking carts for people just to have a conversation about what is it that you want from a church? What is it that you think mm. would help you that can be, you know, put together? Uh, and, and I get those, 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 those moments are also at a bus stop with a cooler full of water on a hot day for hours and meeting people who ride the bus and go, Hey, you know what? You want a bottle of water? Yeah. Well, how much is it? Just conversation, you know, just, just <laughs> conversation. And, and if you just want the water, don't want to talk to me, that's fine. And it's having those moments where it's not Pastor Jacoby, it's just a guy sitting at a bus stop. It's just some random guy unhooking cards for people who can't get them unhooked at you know Walmart. We all know that that's a, a tough, embarrassing moment. And uh, you know, you know, and sometimes I don't get the card unhooked, so I just get him another card. But <laughs> it's those moments, you know, that I do. And then sometimes we'll go to the community meetings, and sometimes we'll we'll host the people here, and uh, or go to the daycares, and we'll provide goodie bags for the parents. Uh, with sanitizer, with mask, with um, just, you know, hard candies, things adults want, fidgets for the adults, uh, you know, because kids are emphasized, let's do something for the adults, yep. um, and asking them, hey, can you, can you fill this out for me, or can you do this QR code, get a moment, and just at your leisure, and then once they've seen you do this a couple of times, they're willing to participate, and because I think we've integrated into the daycare system, into the councilwoman mm -hmm. system, into our community center systems, the people that trust them now trust us. And that has been the most important thing because no one trusts the church anymore. Hmm. And so if you don't trust us for face-to-face -face value, trust us by proxy. Hmm. And, and I think that that has been a great moment because then we've taken that data and we can act faster than the council can. We can act faster than the city can. We can act faster than the state can because our governing body is in on it. Our mm -hmm. governing body wants it to happen. And there's always a group that will either help fund or lead you in the right direction or give you the blueprint of how to do it. They usually wow. don't have a space to do it in. Yeah. So it's just about knowing what it is and being plugged in well enough to know a person that knows a person and knows a person to get it done. And that's kind of where we have situated ourselves is we're willing to do the work to find the people who are already great at this so we can get it done. And, and that's kind of been our motif. That is what would so, you say? Yeah, go ahead, Aiden. Sorry. Oh, no, that, that, that's, that's awesome. And, and yeah. it kind of brought up an, another question to me. Um, so you said you've been here for about four years, right? Six years. Six years. Okay. Even better. So you were there for a time before the, the time, the before times, before COVID. Um, how would you say that <laughs> um, the year of 2020, and, and on, how, how has um, your ministry changed? Has it changed at all? Has, has your, uh, the, your church's impact or the things y'all do changed at all uh, since COVID? Did COVID change any, any, anything there? Because 
for a lot of people, um, the thing we've been talking about a lot on this podcast has uh, have been like we see less people coming to our church, but the people who are coming are like all in now. Like 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 the the remnant that that is here are people who were all in and, and ready to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. How 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 has it impacted your uh, uh, your church and your community? When it comes to our community, I think we're more galvanized because we were the only church putting on events at that time, and they were all safe. Uh, you know, we didn't have any COVID calls at all at all at those events. So I think it galvanized us because we gave mm. people reasons to get out of the house. Uh, we let our church be used for private baby showers for little to nothing. We put on um, we put on a flea market once a month that helped the people because the main flea market was closed. And so we have a guy here that runs them, two guys here that go to flea markets every year, run the church service at the state, at the city flea market, put, produce a flea market on our property so the people who make their money through that could still be employed. So I think our community investment uh, as far as um, has paid off in dividends because they see we're, we're still willing to do and go to those spaces um, because we use our building as a rec center. It's like, you need it for something great. You need it for something great. You need it for something great. You want to do workouts in there? Great. You want to do this? Great. No one's in there. Do your thing. You it's going to be empty otherwise, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah really. do it, man. And, and, and you got daycare at the Christmas play? Do it. School has something you want to do? Do it. You want to recital? You got to do Do it. Your school wants to do it at school? Do it here. It's fine. But you got to do it safely. And so, and I think that that is, you know, been one of the greatest things for us but as far as our attendance is concerned i think we lost a lot of teetering people that i wish we didn't uh, but on the same token uh we gained enough people or a lot of people to where even if those people came back um they would probably lose they lost their seat already wow. and um and that's <laughs> been one of the coolest things uh i think because we have a you know a church plant mentality uh, we're not numerically based, but we're never satisfied with what's already here. Mm. And so we, we always have to be thinking growth, always thinking growth. And that doesn't mean that we grow numerically in Bill Road, but we think, how do we grow our ability to serve not only our community at you know, the mission of Bell Road, but how do we serve the mission of Bell Road in my apartment complex, in my house, in my neighborhood, which we explored greatly during COVID with, uh, you know, door knocks. We, we did that with teaching people how to evangelize, be the prayer warrior of your neighborhood. Um, even if that doesn't work, at least intentionally tell people that you're thinking about them. So that has been one of the coolest tools for us. Um, uh, so I think that as far as the remnant of Bell Road, I think there was always about eight or 12 people who showed up to service, even when the church was shut down because they had keys. And that led to <laughs> people visiting Bell Road and seeing people in the windows and being like, I'm gonna walk in there and be a visitor. And then that led to people who were out of state but stumbled upon our services online saying, I wanted to see how you were in person because we weren't a very organized online church. We would start late. And we turn the camera on and I'm finishing a conversation with someone in the building and we're laughing when the camera feed comes on. And my connections pastor got used to get so angry with me because I would cut the video <laughs> on and continue my conversation. And I'm like, there, if you show up, this is what you'll see. So I'm not going to be fake because when they show up, I don't want them to think we're this polished group of people. No, no, I miss seeing you. I'm going to have this conversation. You know what I mean? 
Um, and we're doing shots of kombucha in the back. I hate kombucha, <laughs> but there are people taking shots of kombucha in the back of the church. So you come into the, the, the online cuts on and you and it cuts on to me saying, if you drink kombucha, you are condemned to hell. And I go, what? Uh, I mean, you know, and, and, and you know, like you have those moments that to, to, to the online person is like, I wonder what is being said, but to the church, it's just like, what did he just say? You know, or we did BYOE for communion, being, bring your own elements. And that was a piece oh, of attention awesome. for some, but welcoming for others, because I'm not going to drive everywhere in the world to hand off them daggone cups and the thing. But I think God is bigger than that. So what do you have, you know? And so people would send in pictures of themselves with a donut and a coffee. And that's my communion or, you know, a diet Pepsi and a Mentos. And, you know, I think God will still bless it if your heart's in the right place. That's and right. So it, I think that has made us a very relatable church. You know, we're serious about what we're serious about. But I think that where we've become, we've made things that aren't salvific, traditionally more salvific than what it really is. We're kind of like, meh. You know what I mean? We're not really mm-hmm. going to stress you over that. You don't, yeah. you don't have unleavened bread. Well, great. I went to Trevecca. They had a loaf of bread. So now if we're going to be semantical, let's go with that. They yeah. have a loaf. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, it sounds like through, through all of the, um, all the stuff you've been saying, and, I, and I'm bringing in from your last podcast, too. I don't even know if you remember that podcast other than a couple of stories, but um, you talked a lot about how we're the image of God and you as, as a pastor, you fully embrace that in, in your, in your community. It sounds like not only you're embracing that, but you're also embracing like humanity's broken. We're kind of, we're weird. We're messed up. Oh, and we're coming together anyway. Right. But whatever happens is, is going to happen. We're, we're, we're going to move forward in this together. And that's, that's really awesome. Too often do we, do we sit in church and think, well, I got to pretend I've got to, I've got to be perfect. We got to, as soon as the countdown timer hits zero, we better start right then or else someone's going to be upset about it. You know? So that's, um, that's one thing that I, <laughs> I was, I was laughing about when you're talking about that, like yeah. the absence of the countdown timer <laughs> is, is, is refreshing to say, Hey, you know what? We're going to, we're going to be the people of God. We're going to converse. And uh, when we start, that's when we're starting. Um, we're going to go wherever the Holy Spirit takes us. I, I love that. So I, I am hearing some things, and I've been I've been thinking about how I want to phrase it because I've been I've been hearing um, so many different ways that you're reimagining um, not only what it means to be the church, but what it means to be the pastor. And the reason I say I hesitate to like to on how I'm going to use it because I don't think it's a reimagination, but maybe just a like a going back to how it was supposed to be like a community focused group of people that is serving the community and, and gathering to receive the Holy spirit and then being sent out into, into the world. Like that, that is really, uh, instead of a re it's, it's a reimagination of what we're used to, but it's going, it's being more true to, uh, to, to who we're supposed to be. And you, you do that even with your role as the pastor, you're, you're taking the, the pastoral office. And I think it's, I th- actually think it's funny that you're not in your office right now, because it's kind of a symbolic of this, but you, uh, you, you know, it, you're saying that I'm, I'm not, um, I'm, as a pastor, I'm not, my job isn't to sit in this office and prepare a sermon. It's to unhook carts at Walmart and talk to people, you know, the water at the bus stop, just to be serving others and saying, Hey, what does our community need right now? I, I love that. And so I want to, I want to, I want to transition um, into maybe, maybe the biggest thing that I really want to talk to you about that we, we talked on the phone about last week 
And it is this job creation program that your church is, that you told me about that your church is involved with and just kind of on the front end of getting involved with that. Um, I'm just going to release it to you and I want you to tell me every detail about it. Yeah, so I was talking to one of the, the leaders of a church in uh, Memphis, uh, Monroe Ballard, and he sits on a, on a board that actually does it in Memphis, where you, if you're getting job readiness, there's a job readiness program that will pay nonprofits, not the nonprofit, but pay the people that work for the nonprofit up to 20 bucks an hour to uh, prepare to, to work. And they train them to do specific jobs and they get the money. And then I found out about a grant called an urban development grant where they will give you like $100,000 to build a business. And so I've been dreaming with the church board about, I'm sick of going, you know, quarter to quarter with things. I, I want to work on a big venture. Let's work on something that I think is going to be great for our community that will be sustainable and will uh, propel people to the next phase of their career. You know, could you imagine someone saying at age 18, I have, you know, at age 20, that I have five years of uh, working career in, in this particular service. So say we open up a, a restaurant, I have five years of um, history experience working in a restaurant, two years of management. Well, wow, you're at 18 and now you're able to be a general manager, you're fresh out of high school making $40,000, $50,000. And we can help provide that while you're making 20 an hour uh, while in school. And so we're really looking at being able to, and we live in an area that is the assets have been depressed. And so things are really cheap around here. And so that $100,000 would do more than enough uh, for us to procure a property, even if it's transforming the parsonage into it, because the parsonage, because of our, our state and the way they work it, is not a house, a residence, it's actually a facility. And so we could easily turn it into, it's a commercial already, we can easily turn it into legally a business. And I'm going to outfit that and move somewhere else because what we could do is employ our community and give them an opportunity to learn how to do things. We have electricians, we have uh, nuclear physicists, we have plumbers, we have former uh, architects, we have people who build houses now, we have um, uh, musicians, we have tech people, we have, we, we have so many uh, gifts and talents in this house that could participate in job readiness programs mm -hmm. um, that I think it would, I mean, be just the best thing. And they don't have to come here to be a part of it. They just have to be in the community and want something more for themselves. Because at the end of the day, college isn't for everybody, but vocation can be for everybody. Yes. And so we'll teach vocations. We'll say, hey, we're going to build birdhouses as a business and sell them. We don't even have to sell anything because we have to have a product that they worked on and it's all government funded. Wow. And I just want to get these people trained and see themselves doing something more mm. and i think that bell road um if we uh because we have you know we need grant writers and all that jazz but if we put our hearts to this thing i am sure within the next two to three years this won't be an idea it will be a reality because the money's there the program's there it's just we have to be willing to do the extra stuff write it all out do what we say we're going to do and man, come come hell or high water, be who we say we are to this community. Mm, that is so that is so good. And and one thing that that just so stands out to me in that 
is the willingness to participate with, like you said, the money that is already there. Like, so I think so many churches um, and, and, and pastors especially are afraid to, to uh, coordinate with local or state government bodies to say, hey, if, you've, if there's money out there or there's a program that I can be a part of, let me be a part of that. Um, we, we, it's almost as we, if we just, we take that, the separation of church and state is good, but we're, we're taking it too far. Like if there's monies available that, that can help our communities, then we have to be willing to, to be a part of that. So, um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I keep going back to this whole, um, that this is part of what, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. It is enabling people to get jobs and enabling people to get jobs that, that they, that they may have never even thought about. Like how many, how many people do you think, um, will become an electrician who that was never even on their radar. Uh, that was never on their radar to even, even look into becoming an electrician or, an, or an architect or, or to do whatever, you know, that is just, that's, that's so refreshing. So how is that conversation going within your church right now? Um, how, how are you getting your people to buy into that? Oh man, it, it, it was, uh, the first hurdle was getting involved with local government. You were right about that. That was mm-hmm. the first conversation. But here's my deal. All these churches got these PPP loans, and that's way more risky than a grant. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was so, thinking, I, I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, me, <laughs> me too. That was, <laughs> yeah, that was at the you forefront I mean? of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and this is a lot easier than the PPP loan. What this basically is, is give us a plan, provide proof that you can do it, Provide the people that you have the oversight, prove that you have the experience to make it happen, prove that it's a necessity for your community. And we got all that information. And now it's about writing what we need to write up and getting it approved. And the church board has been amazingly on board with it. They're like, hey, as long as we have the people to make sure it continues, you know, the question is, what happens to this when you leave or retire? Yeah. And the next pastor is not on board with this. And I said, don't vote that person in. I, I think that that's a prerequisite. That's your choice. Yep. You know what I mean? If I if we get this thing started and five years later, God calls me somewhere else to do the same thing. Guess what? Vote in someone who's on board. That, that's, mm. that's on you. It, it, it's not a me thing at that point. Remember, everything I do here, it's not for me. It's, exactly. it's what it's for the ministry for this church is. And so it doesn't sit on me. It's not on my shoulders to continue to maintain. It's, it's on the mission of the church to say, this is who we are, where we're committed to that. It's a pre-commitment. And once we had that conversation, because we're not, we're not a church that will get someone appointed to, this is now a church, which it wasn't when I got here either. It could have been because we had 12 people here, but they still had made them from me in. But at the, at the same time, this is a growing ministry. You will get a choice. And there will be people who want to be a part of this ministry. You all just have to be selective. And that puts the ball in your court. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? You, you, you have a choice of, you know, of, of, of what type of personality will come in here. Don't mm. choose the first person. Let them know yeah. this is a mandate. This is who we are. You will have to participate in this. And yeah. same thing we do with our new members. This is who we are. You, you tell the new pastor, we don't want anyone who can't be a part of this. Yeah. And, um, and so I think other than that, the church board has been on fire for this idea. And um, in fact, you know, when we get our first drafts of our uh, application for the grant together, we're going to we're going to put a copy and mail it to the wall, man. We're going to present this thing to God. We're going to put it on the altar and, and like 
put that thing on the altar until mm. you know God brings it to us. I mean, I, I want I want a Hezekiah and a messenger about the letter sent to King, uh, you know, about uh, King uh, Sennacherib. And I want to hear the letter God has heard. You know, that's mm. that's the type of a moment. Even if I'm not here when it happens, I I I, I would love for the people to see this thing come to fruition because they're on fire for it. That is, well, it, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. It sounds like you're facilitating, uh, you're facilitating this church to be a community. Like, yes, you're the shepherd, you're the leader of, of the church, but you are like, you are giving them and, and this, this vision and then saying, you know, one day I'm not going to be here. This vision for this, this community, for this group of people will still stand. I think that's, that's, I think that's incredible because there's so many times and I've been listening to, uh, I've been listening to the millennial pastor podcast for a long, long time. And, and, uh, but recently as I've been listening to it, I've been thinking about, uh, they've been talking about pastors leaving churches and, and how that's, if, if you have a pastor who is like, they're, they're the celebrity of the church, like they're the, they're the person uh, the, that, that everybody looks to and they, that uh, they look up to the pastor and like they're, they're leading and wherever the pastor goes, we're going to follow. And that's what our job is to follow him but we don't have any real sense of our own community. When that pastor up and leaves, then what, what, what's what's left of that church, right? If, if they go on through a two-year, uh, like uh, two-year time without that pastor, without a pastor period, what are they doing there? If you facilitate a community of them and give them a vision, that's gonna last long past you because you're because you're giving it to the members of this of this community. It's, it's it's not just something you're doing; it's something that this group of people is working on together. Who, no matter who's at the helm, leading to them, leading them. And I think that's that that's that's an awesome awesome way to be shepherding your uh, your community. Yeah, and people people that have listened to the uh, it, it absolutely is, and and people is that have listened to the first two episodes are going to roll their eyes because they're going to think I only have three theological thoughts that I keep going back to, but it reminds <laughs> me it reminds me of of something that I talked about in a couple episodes ago of a of a concept of instead of pastor as shepherd pastor as midwife like what 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 you're doing is you're birthing something within this within this congregation that language is stolen from a lot of other pastors uh dr shauna Gaines being one of them um and but uh you are instead of like hey this is my project i'm doing it and if i ever go somewhere y'all are just kind of out of luck you're saying nope but we're birthing this together like we are we are allowing the holy spirit to move among us like i am not responsible like I am not the person that is doing this. It's us together. That is, that is so, so awesome. Well, I, uh, Pastor Jacoby, I could talk to you for like another two hours about this. I'm loving these ideas. I'm loving, um, I'm loving all the really challenging things that I think anybody listening to this is going to listen to this. And they're number one, they're going to be kind of relieved that a church is doing some, some of these out, like th- that someone has this vision for the church. And number two, I think they're going to be really challenged to say, how can I, how can I take some of these things? At least I am as a pastor, I'm looking, I'm looking at my own church right now saying, man, what are some of the opportunities that we could do that kind of, that kind of mirror this, that, that, that bring us more in tune with our community rather than being just a, a, a place that people come to on Sundays. How do we, how do we become one with our community so that we even like step one is figure out what your community needs. Um, and, and I think that that's, that's something that we're going to have to go on in, in my own church. And I hope every pastor listening to this is challenged to do the same thing. Um, and an exegesis of their community. Uh, one of my professors talked about that uh, several years ago, like exegeting, like we, we talk about scripture, but do the same thing for your community. 
what does your community need? Um, what, what, who are they? Um, what's their history and culture and, and what do they need the most? But uh, as much as I'd love to keep talking to you about it, I don't want to keep you too long. And uh, we're coming up on an hour of the podcast. So, so tell us, um, let's, let's end our time talking together. What is just something that is exciting you that we haven't already talked about? Um, that whether God is doing in your ministry right now or in your, in your family, and then tell people a little bit about where they can find you on, on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. Okay. Well, um, i tell you one of the most exciting things uh, about uh, uh, what God's doing is, man, I have finally uh, parsed together a semblance of work-life balance. I think that's the most <laughs> exciting thing uh, because it's so hard at times uh, to do uh, learning how to enjoy my family again um, is one of the hardest things. And I think that's one of the most exciting things uh, uh, I think that I've done. And I know it seems simple, but, but man, you know the deal. It's it's good to get that. Um, yeah, praise and, the um, Lord. Praise as, the Lord. Uh, amen. Amen. Um, and um, uh, as far as like, um, or to find me, I'm, you know, I, I have YP Jacoby at... Um, on Instagram, but I really don't post a lot. I'm learning how to, to, to social media. I'm busy, uh, for on purpose. You know what I mean? Like with, with yeah. purpose yeah. a lot and I need to do things. My, my, my Facebook is usually, if I do any videos, it's about parenting girls videos about how funny that is. Uh, people often be my friend on Facebook thinking they'll get biblical things. I put that on the church page. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> is usually boundaried by just being just a human most of the time and uh so any of those biblical things you want i may share a service will be on the church page because my <laughs> facebook page and and typically my instagram page is, is 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 really just for me as a human it's part of my compartmentalization of things and sometimes scriptures mm -hmm. come up there and if i got a book or something it's on there but mainly it's jacoby the person um yep. But um, uh, but uh, man, I, I October seventeenth, I get the great opportunity uh, to do a logos training. I I don't know how, I don't know why, but whatever. Um, it's I'm really excited about it. I get to do one on the reconciliation of the of the Samaritans, um, and um, I think it's an interesting journey. And I'm excited cool. about it. I'm I'm scared senseless uh, about it, <laughs> uh, but um, but I've done some extension extensive look into that and how. Um, there are a lot of Samaritans that we have in our world today, and mm. uh, and we just need to get over, uh, you know, the stories and the tradition and get to the root of them being God's call people too. And mm. uh, and so that's going to be interesting. I don't know how to watch it. I'm sure there'll be something uh, posted somewhere about it. And it's it's really for them to make money. I don't get paid for it. It's them showcasing <laughs> some new software they have. But yeah. I'm just happy to, to be able to to at least get it wrong in public. Hopefully, get something <laughs> right in public. Uh, and and I, I offered my assistance as a joke, and they took it. And I go, oh, okay, uh, we're doing this thing. Uh, God's providence, I guess. And um, other than that, man, I, I'll say this: if I, if I, if I could just pour into someone, somewhere, anywhere, I would say this: that we have to kill small church, small pastor, small ministry mentality. Mm. Um, you're important and your identity is valid and your voice is what is crying out in the week in the wilderness, man. It is what is necessary. And I find so many people who say, Jacoby, you know, you got all these things going on. I tell them like, you have never been to my church, have you? <laughs> if you have, <laughs> you would see that, yeah, we're maybe, maybe have 135 now, 
But when I got here, it was 12. And, and we had to eliminate that idea that there is no voice for a pastor under 50 members. Mm. And that's just stupid. And that's how the church has that's why the church now needs another reformation. We need more. You said midwife. We say doulas uh, in their lives yeah. uh, that are that are helping our denomination birth blessings, man. Oh, my mm. goodness. So I hope someone who needed that hears that because I need to say that to myself for years um, to get out of that mentality. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. Um, I love that, uh, Pastor Jacoby. Thank, thank you so much. All right. I, I know that you've got something coming up on the horizon besides the, the Logos training. I, you said that there may be another book here in the near future. So do you want to preview that for everybody? Yeah, so I'm writing another uh, another book. Uh, you know, I got to leave you with this. And uh, I'm writing another version of that, part two. But this time I'm focusing on stories. So this one is just kind of just a myriad of kind of like a, a space that we can be in. And I hope that it identifies the people. But the next one, I'm going to sit at a story and write 10 about that story. Mm. And then I'm going to sit on another story. I'm going to write 10 about that story up to 30, just three stories and just 10 meditations on separate parts of that story so that you not only get meditation, but you can understand and read a good portion of what God is trying to say to us in other ways. I've never seen it before. I don't know how good it'll do, but I write books because it's on my heart to do. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, use it, using it as meditation literature, sit there, sit and chew on it for a while, 10, 10 days at a time. I, I love that. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be on the lookout for that. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, thank thank you so much, Pastor Jacoby, for, for being on here on episode four of season six of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. Everybody, be sure to go pick up um, pick up his book, and I'll leave you with this and be looking out for that new release coming out uh, in the next months to, to, to a year. Um, thank you so much, and we will see you next time on uh, the Millennial Pastor Podcast. Since we love millennials so much on this podcast, we thought it would be appropriate to promote our fellow millennial authors. Here's one now. Hello, everyone. My name is Hank Spaulding. I am the author of the forthcoming book, Iconoclastic Sex, Christian Sexual Ethics, and Human Trafficking. In this book, um, I look at the complex subject of Christian sexual ethics, which is all the rage in all the churches uh, in the world right now. Uh, but I do it from a unique perspective. I look at it from uh, a group who has been deeply impacted by sexuality uh, in our present world and throughout world history, namely those who have been trafficked, um, survivors of trafficking. And I do a study where I ask them about their lives and how they have been shaped and formed by church and non-church culture and their approaches to sexuality. But I also explore those who have grown up under traditional uh, evangelical purity culture teachings of um, sexual ethics and ask them also about their experiences in order to see if there's anything that connects these groups. Uh, there is, and I will let you uh, find that out um, if you read the book, um, but I also use the metaphor of iconoclasm as a means to help uh, deal with the problems that come from and arise from that study. 
Iconoclasm is a word that just basically means uh, the defamation of idols, and what that means is obviously just the removal and destruction of certain idolatry that we prefer uh, over and against the very love of God. And by doing that, uh, I take a hold and, and pull down the idols and images that keep us from promoting a truly just and loving sexual ethic um, that is theologically robust yet ethically practical. And, and talk about the virtues and uh, the things that make Christian sexual ethics such a powerful uh, manifestation of the gospel. And so I hope you'll check it out. Support this author and our podcast by clicking the link in the description. Thank you. The Millennial Pastor Podcast was created and produced by Byron Certain and Josiah Jones. This season's guest host is Hunter Thrasher. Our editor is Caden Barksdale. And original music was done by Andrew Jones. This podcast is part of the Millennial Pastor Podcasting Network. For more podcasts like it, please visit themillennialpastor.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you can join us on the next episode of the Millennial Pastor Podcast.